Welcome to Define You Radio After Dark Conversations, where real people have unfiltered conversations about the topics that influence the way we think, feel, and move. Welcome to After Dark Conversations. I am your host, Valencia Griffin Wallace. Today, we are having a conversation with frequent guest of the show, friend of the show, Queen Donna Barnes. And we are talking about the impact of COVID-19 on domestic violence. So with that being said, Queen Donna, welcome back. (laughs) Hi, hi. I'm excited to be back. I'm I'm always excited to have a discussion with you, especially when it comes to, you know, different topics. But you are a counselor and you have over eight years experience working in mental health. Yes, ma'am. So how does uh, that relate to domestic violence for the people in, in the back? Mental health relates to domestic violence um, because domestic violence is more than just physical abuse. It can also be verbal abuse, which we do typically say that verbal abuse is worse than the physical. Because once that person get into your head and start making you believe these things or giving you a false reality, it's hard to change from that. It's hard to get away from that. And that's how sometimes the abuser gets individuals to be stuck or still with them because of all the things that they put in their mind. So it definitely makes it hard to leave. And that just drains a person mentally. October is domestic violence awareness month, if I'm not mistaken. It is. So what are some of the common signs of domestic violence that, you know, you've seen? I mean, I know we could go textbook with it, but since we're having a conversation We'll just make it a little bit more, you know, personal with our experiences. So what what are some of the common signs of domestic violence? I would definitely say um, if they're controlling. So if they don't want you to do anything without them, um, they want to know your every move. That can be a sign. Um, If a person wants you to quit their quit your job and move in with them. That definitely can be a sign because once they get you out of your comfort place and moved in with them or you quitting your job, guess what? You have to rely on them. So getting you to rely on them will give them more control because then they'll have a say so over what you can do, what you can't do. Um, Also, if if they criticize you about just little small stuff, oh, I don't like your hair like that. You need to do something with your hair. Go fix your hair up. You know, I like when you wear your hair in a ponytail. So that's even some type of controlling, checking your phone um, all the time, having to, again, knowing where you are most of the time, isolating you from family and friends can be um, different signs. Temper is definitely a sign. You got to recognize when somebody has a temper and that's not to say, well, they can't get angry, but it's what they do when they get angry. Do they belittle you when they get angry? Do they raise their hand to you when they get angry? Do they slam out the house when they get angry? So those are like some of the signs with the um, domestic abuse that you can see. So according to an article I read this morning on WebMD, and if anybody Google it, you could see, kind of see it, that um, during this pandemic, 
um, cases of domestic violence and abuse has surged. Why do you think that is? (laughs) I think that cases have surged because now people are home more. So now you have the ability to work from home because of COVID and when COVID wasn't around, it's like everybody's at work. So you don't have as much time together. You don't have much time to get on each other's nerves or to really trigger your significant other. But now that we're home more, there's much more time to trigger the significant other or even just the conversation. So the trigger, the signs may have always been there and may have been missed because we're so busy in our daily lives that we didn't see them. But now that we're home more, it's like, wow, it's the eye opener. We see them now. We're frustrated more often by that spouse. Cause sometimes, you know, a lot of people say they never realize how much they don't like their significant other now that they're <laughs> home with them a lot, you know? So it's, it's really like taking a turn because now you're forced to be cooped up in the house together. And then, you know, with the unemployment and um, bills still come. They do. You know, and people are losing, you know, losing their jobs, have lost their jobs, can't work or not making the money they used to make. Um, People are being evicted. Like you could see all these reports about people being evicted and those things. It's a it's a stressful time. Mm -hmm. Do you think? Do you think that uh, a situation during this time could go from zero to all of a sudden domestic violence? Or do you think it's it's something that couldn't happen if it already wasn't there, so to speak? I don't think it could go to zero to domestic violence real quick. I think if it does go from zero to domestic violence real quick, then it has been there. And we just didn't pay attention to those signs. Um I do think that a lot of stresses can add to um, the frustration or the aggravation. However, I still don't think that it would lead to that domestic if those traits wasn't already there. Mm-hmm. So the trait is somewhere, you know, in there. I I agree because we're not going from happy go lucky to the next day you choking me out or something because of COVID. Really, right. this is this is the test of uh, marriages and relationships and and those things. This it's a test of um, just dealing with yourself, much less other people. Are are police even going out on domestic violence calls? Like maybe now, but you know, let's say a couple of months ago, were they even going out on domestic violence calls? I would say I would say yes, because I think what they I think they're really trying to take it more serious, especially since the numbers have increased before COVID. We was having a lot of domestic issues. So I would I would definitely say I believe that they are going out. Domestic violence is just like one of those hard topics, though, because a lot of people could just tell you what to do, but not give you the direction um, in which to go. Do you think domestic violence is more dangerous now, like now during the pandemic? I think it's happening more, yes, since the pandemic. 
now might not be as much as um, awareness because, you know, you're not going to work with the bruises, you know, or you have more ways to cover them up now because you're doing work from Zoom or, you know, from an online platform. So where some of your bruises may be, others might not see it. Mm. And then um, you think about it this way, like if you say, you know, go to a shelter or are shelters taking, you know, domestic violence, you know, people that try to escape from this situation? Um, like, are they taking, I'm pretty sure like now in October they are, mm-hmm. but let's say a couple of months ago, were shelters even taking people to your, to your knowledge or like, what was going on? I believe that they was taking people, but then it's like what happens when they get full because of so many cases that has happened because we don't have that many domestic violence shelters in um, Baton Rouge. I, I think, well, there's only one that I know of. They have more than one now. I know they have the Iris. I know they have other domestic violence agencies um, that mm-hmm. try to help women um that have been abused but i do know of iris okay i know um at that time 20 years ago when i was dealing with my own domestic violence situation and anybody that has been listening to the show for a while i you know have mentioned it because i call that the marriage i don't count um it was a very 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 abusive situation and I remember going to the shelter I didn't go to the shelter to stay I went there more for counseling but what was interesting is when I got out of that relationship um a lot of people said like they knew what was going on but couldn't believe it was going on with me because you know if you know me I'm a fighter you know um but it it was crazy because everybody quote unquote knew but nobody said anything uh-huh. to me about it you know I thought I was doing good hiding this madness that was going on in my home so if you if you know somebody that's dealing with abuse or you suspect that's dealing with abuse. Like, what do you recommend? Should somebody say something or what do you recommend? Because honestly, it pissed me off with my family because I'm like, well, why didn't nobody try to help me or say something? I think definitely. I What I would say in, in those cases, it's hard because we can always say, well, girl, you need to do this or girl, you need to do that. But again, it goes back to if we're not giving them any type of direction. And then, to be honest, we're not even in that position. So we don't even know what we would do if we're in that position. But I definitely think that if friends do notice some type of behaviors, they should say something. However, I do know in some cases, too, that some friends feel as though they can't say anything because some friends are, well, some individuals might be like, oh, they just jealous of my relationship. They just want what I have. 
it's hard to tell those kind of friends something because you don't want that type of response back from them when you're just looking out for them. But I would definitely say it's a conversation that needs to be had if you do notice those signs with one of the things that your friends may be dealing with. But try to approach it in a non-judgmental way. Not saying, girl, if it was me, I would do this, this and this. That's not what that person needs to hear. That person needs to hear, well, what are you thinking about? What do you feel that you should do? How do you think that you can be safe with everything that's going on? So they need someone who's going to be supportive and nurturing, not attacking or bashing them or making them feel guilty for staying or even not getting out. Hmm. Okay. So I just had an interesting thought, mm-hmm. an interesting, <laughs> um, because you're, you're a therapist, you've had these types of conversations. So let's, let's role play. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> See how this go. All right. So, uh, you know, we're, we're friends, we're coworkers, we're coworkers that hang out sometimes outside of work, like for a Friday night drink or something. Um, and you notice that on some days I wear a lot of makeup on my eyes. So we're going to pick up the conversation from there. Okay. So, uh, Hey girl, how's it going? It's going good, girl. I like your makeup today. Uh, thanks. I just, you know, just thought I'd do a little something with my face today. Okay. What made you choose that color eyeshadow? Uh, it matches my outfit. It's pretty. It's very pretty. Um, do you, well, I don't want to say, do you think you put too much on? That's That could be offensive, but I would say um, it's pretty. Do you think you put a little bit too much on or you like it the way it is? I, I kind of like it. I don't know. I'm still experimenting, you know, trying to do, you know, trying different looks, see what makes this man of mine happy, you know, make him give me a compliment or two or something, you know, how'd that go? Okay. Well, you're definitely pretty within without the makeup, but I'm always here. If you feel like you need to talk to me about your man, cause I know how that can go girl. Mm. Well, yeah, like, I don't know. I really don't like kind of talking about my relationships. Cause you know, people take one thing and they'll take it one way and you mean it one way and they'll start judging you and your relationship. So a lot of times I just try to keep my business to myself. Yeah. Which I understand. Cause that's how I am too. But always remember, you know, sometimes we just need a listening ear. So I'm here. If you ever want to talk about it, no judging. Good job. Look, I was <laughs> girl. Look, that was me 20 years ago. Uh-huh. That was like, I don't recall anybody ever asking about, you know, uh, and like I said, this 20 years ago, particular things or like you said, a lot of safe phrases, you know, if you want to talk, I'm here. Those things like you didn't come come at me wrong or well, look, I know you got that all that makeup on. Did that man hit you in the eye? Yeah, you don't you want know? to make assumptions. Hmm. Very interesting. Because I, I, pro- I would have probably handled it wrong. Like if the role was 
reverse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's probably like with your training, you've learned how to have those delicate conversations. Yeah, because you, you never want to feel like you don't want that person to feel like you're judging them. You don't want to jump and, you know, jump to conclusions like, you know, is he hitting you? Especially if they never gave off anything, but we just notice things. We want to at least try to present it with some facts, you know, when we do present it to that person. So I think, you know, just going in and just letting someone know that, hey, I'm here for some support if you need it would definitely make the conversation a little easier because then, you know, especially if they have trust issues and if I'm getting beat on, I'm definitely going to have trust issues because the person I'm supposed to trust is hurting me. Mm. So it's like you want to create that safe environment for them to even want to open up about it because they might be scared. I know um, with, with me, it wasn't that I was scared. I was embarrassed mm-hmm. that was like the if the number one um thing was like i was embarrassed because you would really have to know me and my personality especially you know in my 20s and um in fact like i had an aunt who i really don't deal with mind you but to sell my aunt and she was like I just knew you couldn't have been dealing with that because you would fight a lion. So I know you wasn't over there letting uh, somebody uh, beat on you. So that made me more embarrassed. Because mm-hmm. she was trying to, so she was, it sounded like it was, she was trying to encourage you, but at the same time, you knew what you was going through. So it was like, dang, like maybe how did I get to this point? I don't know if she, I I know. You'd have to know. (laughs) You'd have to know this aunt to know Mm -hmm. that uh, she was not. I think it was more because the funny thing is she had been through a domestic violence situation. Her daughter has several women in my family have. Um, And it's like, uh, like when I was a teenager, honestly, I fought one of her daughter boyfriends for beating on her like he had the nerve to like hit her right in front of me and my baby sister and I was like in 11th grade and I was like oh heck no not to not up in here and me and my sister my y'all heard what I said I was in my in my teens then I think 10th about 10th grade somewhere up in there but that's the kind of heart I that I've had, you know, um, even when like, yeah, we so that was crazy. Just kind of flashing back because I don't know. Um, I'm pretty sure he hit her after that because mm-hmm. they still stayed together. But he never did it in front, made that mistake to do it in front of me and my sister again. Um, and that's like the personality I had even seeing my mom go through it it was more emotional abuse watching my mom go through it and I think uh, people don't give that enough credit like you say domestic violence people think in black eyes choke marks those things right but um in my mom's case and I never forget just kind of going a little backwards and sideways I never forget me and my grandmother had this conversation about domestic violence and she was like 
Well, I know uh, that's something your mom ain't never deal with because I was like, well, yes, she did. I said, I remember, you know, my stepdad um, trying to handle her and me like fourth, fifth grade, like swinging on him. Mind you, at that time, he probably had a good, I don't know, two feet on me or something. Uh, But I didn't care. But it's just that we see a strong woman. And I think that's where where I'm going with this. It's like we see a strong woman like my family knowing how my mom was and how I am. Like it doesn't. It's almost like how the heck you get in in a situation where this man beating on you. So that goes to the embarrassment that goes to the not wanting to tell anybody when they see you as a strong, strong woman. I'm doing my air quotes. I'm going to sip my coffee and let you go ahead, take the mic. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why I feel like, you know, when these conversations come up, whether you're, you know, whether you're a counselor, not a counselor, a teacher, just no matter what your profession is or what your title is just being mindful of how we approach those situations because we do not, the purpose isn't to get people to be embarrassed or more shameful than what they are already, you know, what they already feeling. The purpose is to try to help them get out and heal. So they don't have to continue to live in that despair because sometimes things could get that bad to where a person want to take their self out and not deal with it in the, People that you want to trust to help you to get out there, the same ones that's bashing you or, you know, talking about you. And it makes it more difficult to even leave. It's like almost kind of like choosing your poison, because if Mm -hmm. your family is judgmental on this end and, you know, if you leave, they're going to have stuff to say. Then it kind of make you like feel like you want to say, well, it's not that bad. You know, he he might not do it again. I probably could just stick it through because I don't want to have to deal with my family. Or I don't want to have to deal with my friends or even I don't want to have to deal with the church folk. (laughs) So we really, we definitely have to be mindful of how we approach a situation. I used to, um, I used to definitely say, well, why don't they just leave? And I um, was in a situation. It's not always easy to leave. So people could always say, well, why don't you just leave? What made you stay in? this and that, but it's not easy, especially if you really felt like you love that person that's taken back years that, you know, it's taking a lot to just pick up and leave. And then I'm going to leave and go where? So you could ask me why I did not leave, but you you never told me where I could go. Mm. Which brings me to my next question, but, um, something you, okay. Do you, do you find Cause like I said, I, I could pretty much say probably about 90% of the women in my family and this may or may not be, um, true, like give or take, let me say it that way, um, have been in domestic violence situations and I'm talking about physical, emotional abuse and definitely physical abuse. Do you see it a lot where it happens to run in families like that? I would say, yeah, you know, some of it, it does run in families. Um, but then some of it, 
can be because of family trauma, not necessarily domestic abuse or violence, but it could easily have been neglect. It can easily have been abandonment. It can easily have been, you know, mother issues or father issues, you know, a parent not being present. So we look for that in somebody else. Um, So it can be generational in some instances, but then it's also like feeling a void, that person feeling that type of void for you that makes you just, you know, in love with that person or wanting to stay. Not saying anything's wrong with that, but, you know, that can be like one of the origins of staying in an abusive relationship. It's not always bad. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Mm -mm, No, I was going to say, I think um, it's it in I could say in my family, I can't speak for other people um, because I know my grandmother dealt with it. I never saw it. but these are, you know, based on conversations we've had, um, I know both of my aunts. I know my mom. Um, then in my generation, I have my older cousin have, um, you know, I could, I, it's so, so many more names. And we all, we talking about like just the past couple of generations. Um, and I think it's, I don't want to say it's, almost normalized but it's normal normalized to the fact that you know we fight sometimes and you just move kind of move on or it's not something anybody ever sat and had a conversation about it's more of oh well you know so and so you know they fight sometimes or they used to hit me or something like that like nobody ever I don't recall not saying the conversation hadn't happened. Uh-huh. Um, but that conversation has never happened with me to say, Hey, if a man calls you X, Y, and Z or does X, Y, and Z, you need to, you know, leave the relationship. So on, let's have a real discussion about domestic violence. It's always like, a instead of being proactive, we've been pre, uh, what you call it? Reactive. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But I think it's because of that, um, that judging. And then it, I think it just goes back to what's next or how do I even get out or do I, to be honest, the big question is, do we even want to get out? Because sometimes we have that hope that that person will change. Or sometimes we have that hope. Well, maybe if I just stop doing what I'm doing, you know, he won't hit me. Maybe if I have dinner ready when he comes home or his bath water ready, maybe he won't hit me. You know, maybe he won't be upset tonight. But in those in those cases, I definitely think that um, it's easy to place blame on self rather than place blame on that person. And that's one of the mind things, the mind control that that person can have on you. They can have you blaming yourself for their behaviors. You know, but I think definitely too, like we've been saying, family doesn't make it better. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was involved um, in a domestic situation. I don't think my grandmother was, but I know for sure my mom was um, and I was. So definitely it can, again, be generational, but then it has the other factors too. I think definitely, and I don't know if it's a Southern thing, but that whole, um, 
you know, what happens in this house stays in this house mentality. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, Like I said, I know it's definitely a Southern, you know, I don't know if people kind of live with that mindset in other places, but definitely here in the South, that's something you hear growing up. We definitely adopted that principle. (laughs) And I would definitely say to me, that's not a healthy principle at all. I don't think that's that's healthy because what happened, you know, what happens in the house stays in the house. But how are you going to heal from what happened in that house if you're still Mm -hmm. living in that house? Mm -hmm. You you can't heal from it. You just continuing to be re-traumatized in that house. You're remembering, you know, what has happened in that house. You, You can't get support if you don't tell anybody. You can't get support if you're secretive. Um, So I think that's definitely something, you know, to think about. Even like sometimes we teach our kids, you know, don't go out my house and tell people my business. But if they're hurt, if our business is hurting them, then, yeah, they do sometimes need to say something about it. Now, that's not saying, you know, eavesdrop in my conversation and go repeat everything you heard. But if you (laughs) see me hurting, I definitely would want you to give me some type of help. Mm. hashtag amen yeah i think i think we definitely have to stop being so secretive but we're secretive because we don't want to be judged right but i I, oh go ahead no i was i was gonna say one of the things i told my son um as he's you know growing up is that people gonna talk about you you could be doing everything right people are gonna talk about you they're gonna say whatever they're gonna think you have this or that going on. People going to talk about you regardless. And you really have to adopt that mindset of, and so what? Amen. That's what I said. And that's <laughs> kind of what I was going to say. So we was, uh, we was in the same area. Yeah. Pe- people going to say what they want to say. You could be doing good. They're going to say something. You could be doing bad. They're going to say something. You could be in between. They will find something to say. I like to tell people just because people say things doesn't make it your reality. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make it true. Let's do fact and opinion. We're going to have to do some research on this. I don't have to accept what you say about me or my situation. I don't have to accept that. I don't even have to let it go through my mind or process in my mind. So we, and I think it comes to having a choice what we're accepting. Mm. Hashtag. A to the men. Um, so I know uh, deciding to leave is one of one of the biggest decisions a woman or man has to make in this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certain steps that you have to go through. A lot of times, it's the most dangerous time, uh, especially if you're dealing with a violent person or whatever. Um, What tips would you give somebody that's wanting to get out of the situation? I would definitely say talk to someone that you can really trust. Talk to a person that can really help you to try to find you some resources. Um, But also doing which. I would tell them to do what they feel makes them safe at the end of the day, because we never know when the next, if the next time is going to be the last time. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely say, do what you feel you have to do to make sure that you are safe. 
in so many words, but definitely reach out to someone that you really trust to get that type, you know, the support that you're going to need. Um, learn their patterns, learn um, if they're really sleep or if they're playing sleep, learn, you know, already have a bad pact, but hidden if you really feel like you need to get out or better yet while he's at work or she's at work because men um, could be abused too. while he or she's at work, you know, have that backpack, have a friend come by the house and pick up that bag already. So just preparing, making sure we prepare for the necessary steps um, to leave in a safe way, going to a location that that other person is not going to know about. So if the other person know where your friends live, you definitely don't want to go to your friend's house because he, he or she is going to pop up there, but making sure you, you get somewhere safe. So just taking the necessary steps, um, try not to get off your routine because they'll pick that up. If you get off your routine, you want to make sure you're paying attention to their routine, not them paying attention to yours. So definitely try not to do things out of a routine um, to where they could pick up on it and suspect something. Mm. I know all definite great tips. And um, when I got out of my situation just to, and this was 20 years ago, so I don't know what's what as far as, but I'm pretty sure the process is still the same, but I started going to, the shelter to do group counseling and they kind of gave me some ideas. So uh, one of the things that I did just from watching movies, <laughs> I do this. I did call the police neighbors, called the police. Uh, so I had that quote unquote record to uh, back me up. Um, I did. I packed a bag with like a birth certificate, social security cards, and I put it at my baby sister's house. Um, because I, because I knew regardless of what I could go to her house. So, um, then when, when I left and I can't remember the exact circumstances, how I left, I think maybe it was one time he was in jail and I did not bail him out. And let me, let me add this too. uh, one time I put him in, in jail, um, his job bailed him out. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm going to just leave that there. Um, so I had, you know, put him in jail, had my restraining order, went to my sister's house, all of those things. Um, he did attempt to come by my sister's house, but uh, my baby sister is a different level of crazy. <laughs> and she had some really big dogs. Um, so it kind of, it kept him from being at her house. However, that did not stop him from coming to my job. Uh, the police were looking for him. Um, my windows was broken. It was uh, so I don't want anybody to think it was a smooth transition for for me, you know. And I know it's definitely harder to quote unquote disappear now in the age of social media. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I remember uh, the police found him passed out drunk on the railroad tracks on his way to my job. And I had to go to the police station to identify that that was him uh, in which he proceeded to yell in front of the police that I'm going to kill that B. Okay. He was still drunk. Um, Then I, I had got another apartment. He broke in the apartment. No lie. All this is like 
documented police report stuff. Um, he broke in my apartment and, uh, peed on my clothes, peed and poured beer on my clothes. And at that time I moved, I had to, I had to get out of East Baton Rouge parish. Uh, and I moved, that's how I ended up in Ascension parish where I'm sure everybody know parishes. If you somewhere else, it's like a County or whatever here, we call them parishes. So literally I had to kind of quote unquote disappear until he, I knew he left. And really I hadn't lived in, uh, Baton Rouge parish since, East Baton Rouge since then. And we talking about years upon years of 20 years ago. Is um, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say sometimes, yeah, it's, it's going to, it's, it's, it's going to get hard. It may, I'll say that for him, for me, it got harder because it was more work I had to do to, to make sure me and my son was safe, mm-hmm. but I would not, change it for anything in the world because I have no doubt in my mind that if I would have stayed one of us would would have been been gone gone. yeah within a year within a year or two of that relationship ending because towards the end it was just it was fighting to the death because I I would fight back and I think that sometimes you know I think sometimes that could make that person mad especially when you're fighting back Cause then it's, that takes away their control. Well, I was, I was rolling with it, um, and so that's why it took a while for me to even accept that I was in a domestic violence relationship. Because I was, I was, you hit me, I'm gonna hit you back. <laughs> yeah, but you know, and I thought I was, you know, big bad this this and this, but after a while dealing with that it it don't matter like it doesn't matter like that's not normal Mm -hmm. and I could put it on my calendar every three weeks like clockwork he was going to get drunk and we were going to fight it would be interesting to see how long the police keep records I had had those police reports for years upon years I think I just burned them like a couple of years ago mm-hmm. but just reading that even like one of the police reports my son who was I don't know three four something like that at the time called the police or they could hear him in the background when I called 911 mm. uh, okay go ahead Donna because I can't <laughs> you I make would... me mad all over again make me want to go Find somebody. Because you're better. You're in a better place. <laughs> you're in a better place. I definitely, um, listen, listening to you talking, one thing that I, I thought I needed to mention too is when we're trying to, when you're trying to get out, don't tell his, definitely don't tell the other person's family. Don't even tell them what's going on because guess what? They know their child or they yep. know that family member. So they already know what's going on. And that person or that family is loyal to that person. They're not loyal to you. Mm-hmm. So definitely, you know, be mindful of who you tell, you know, that you're leaving to and things like that. Cause you don't want to jeopardize them telling that person and then you can't even leave. And then you're going to still be stuck in that predicament, predicament, if not making it worse than what it is. Um, because if you tell that person's family, they come home and, and beat you, 
of course, it's because of which you have told their family, why you have people in our business. People shouldn't be in our business and things like mm-hmm. that. So, you know, you just want to definitely be mindful of who we're telling that we're leaving or preparing to leave. I usually would suggest that people get a restraining order. But in all honesty, and this is just me, in all honesty, a restraining order is just a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. It is not. It's, it's just what it is, a, a piece of paper. Yeah, it's, it's with the courts, but that doesn't mean that anybody has to have to adhere to it. The paper is for them to adhere to it, but that don't mean it's going to stop them from attacking you or finding you where you are. So I think it's very important to just be mindful of that as well. You know, uh, earlier I said, you know, you have to do what you feel you have to do to be safe. You know, you you take it how you want. But at the end of the day, if it had to be my life over their life, I take their life any I say their life any day. So we really have to, you know, really consider that. And I'm going to tell you, I'm glad you did say that about the restraining order. Um, And the reason why I said like with the police reports and the restraining order. And I know like literally it's it's a piece of. It's a piece of paper that don't mean anything to the truly crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, being that I, you know, my grandmother worked for a judge forever and everything else. I know paperwork. If if it ever came down, I'm going to say it like this. If it ever came down to me defending my actions, I had paperwork to back me up. There you go. Mm-hmm. And y'all could take that how you want to. My defense was set. So, (laughs) definitely my defense was I tried you know my defense was set um yes indeed is all I have to say (laughs) but I think they really need that you know be because we don't think about it like that mm -hmm. I was I'm telling you because I didn't know if I was going to ever be strong enough to leave because I had more than one restraining order. I'll definitely say that. Um, But I knew in case it ever got to a certain whatever point it was going to, it was going to end one way or the other. I had stuff to kind of back me up. There were pictures of bruises and black eyes, uh, witnesses, those different things. Um, so, yeah, that's my five cents on that, Queen <laughs> Donna. Um, one last question, mm-hmm. uh, because I know right now a lot of people are thinking, like, how can I leave? We're in the middle of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, is it possible right now that if somebody left, do you think it's possible for them to have a a fresh start so to speak like will they be okay in your words I, in my work in my opinion I would definitely say they can be okay it, it all goes back to where we're going um once we leave um are we changing phone numbers and things once we leave I think that all has a part to play in it but I think you're safer leaving than staying because again, we mm. never know when it'll be the last day. Um, so definitely I will say we can be safe. They do, we might not have many shelters out there, out here, but I, I always believe we have options. We, we always have a way out. We just got to want that way out 
and know what that way out is. So definitely doing that research to get, you know, to that place to where we can get that way out. But I do think you'll be safer, you know, out than in. Mm. And that's another nail on the head. Queen Donna, until next time, which we have many, many conversations (laughs) to have. How can the audience go ahead and connect with you? So you can connect with me on my Instagram at Gracefully Purpose Counseling. You can also connect with me on my um, other Instagram, higher above underscore, higher underscore above average 2015. Um, Definitely social media. um, I'm always on there. So that's the way you can connect with me. Boom. And uh, Kings and Queens, if you are in a domestic violence situation, we know it happens every day. October is just the month they chose to highlight domestic violence, reach out to uh, a domestic violence shelter that can guide you in the right directions. You never, there's so many resources out there. Um, Even if you're not ready to leave, I would say just start putting those numbers in your phone and your head, just start knowing what to do. So when you're ready to do it, you know where to go. That's my five cents. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you connect with our guest, Queen Donna. Like, share, and subscribe to the show. See you next time. And remember, have conversations that make you think, feel, and do something different. You have been listening to Define You Radio After Dark Conversations. If you learn something, don't keep it to yourself. Share with your friends, family, and foes. Make sure you go over to defineuradio.com and subscribe for our monthly giveaways and more. Thank you.